This is Voices of COVID-19. I'm Brian Lucas. Thanks for joining us. Over the 4th of July weekend, President Trump held a rally at Mount Rushmore. He didn't wear a mask. Most of his staff and supporters didn't wear masks. And the governor of South Dakota made a point of saying that the attendees at the event would not be social distancing. Outside the rally, there was a protest that included members of the Oglala Lakota tribe. Most of the protesters were wearing masks. They were there to call out white supremacy and continued oppression of indigenous people. The contrast between the two groups was stark. A mostly white crowd shunning the threat of COVID-19 to cheer their president, and a small group of mostly Native American protesters risking their own health to speak out once again about intrusion on their land. The protesters were taking a risk by being there that day, not just a risk of being arrested. The greater threat was that they would be infected with COVID-19 and could spread the virus to others in their community. Many of the protesters live on the Pine Ridge Reservation, home to more than 19,000 members of the Oglala Lakota tribe. The Pine Ridge Reservation has the lowest life expectancy in the country and is one of the poorest communities in the United States. Thankfully, the tribe has been able to avoid a major COVID-19 outbreak, but they have to be on high alert. They've been on lockdown since early March and have tried to work hard to implement social distancing and to take care of the most vulnerable members of their tribe. Joining me to discuss the unique challenges that the tribe is facing during this pandemic is Helene Gaddy. Helene is a member of the Oglala Lakota Nation and a resident of Pine Ridge. She and her husband run a nonprofit called Generation Indigenous Ways, which runs camps for American Indian youth, focusing on integrating science curriculum with traditional Native values and practices. Since the outbreak, Helene has been part of an Indigenous response effort, reaching out to people across the reservation to offer education and support. Because of the many issues related to the pandemic and life on the Pine Ridge Reservation, I've broken this interview into two parts. Here is part one of our conversation. Helene Gaddy, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting us. To kind of set the scene, can you tell me a little bit about your community for people who might not be familiar with the Pine Ridge Reservation and the Oglala Lakota Nation? Give me a little sense for what is your community like and give a little description about it pre-COVID, just in general? I live on the Pine Ridge Reservation. It's in the southwestern part of the state of South Dakota. There's about 19,000 to 20,000 people that live within the reservation, and there's about 34,000 members in all. It's the Oglala Sioux Tribe. That's the name that the United States government um, identifies the Oglala Nation as. The Reservation was established in 1934 um, under an IRA government, and that's how it's been governed since. Pine Ridge has a really hard history. You know, the United States government tactics um, have been proven successful to constantly conquer and divide our people. And especially in a time of COVID-19, it's being proven successful again to conquer and divide our people. So on top of the obstacles of bringing communities, services, and helping our highest at-risk populations, we have to deal with lateral oppression and um, 
people within our lands who follow a government that's foreign to our way of life. I've grown up on the Pine Ridge Reservation my entire life and I went to school here. I went to college here with the exception of maybe one or, you know, one or two classes in different places, but I've always looked for sovereignty and I've I've always believed in sovereignty. I was raised by my grandmother who was self-sufficient, who didn't depend on government. You know, she didn't beg. She was really self-sufficient. She farmed her own land. She harvested her traditional foods, gardened, prepared for the next coming seasons, you know, walked a Lakota way of life through kinship and had that Lakota um, respect. My parents were both activists. They were both strong believers. They are. My mom is still alive. She's still a strong believer in our treaties. And my father, he was always there to teach us to stand up for ourselves and to teach us um, about social injustices and to learn our way of life. All of this education from my parents and internally from my grandmother not the Western education so much. And also from my teachers today, my uncles and aunties who walk in traditional ways of life and carry themselves like that. That's the education that is needed during this COVID response in order to keep the resilience and um, stay clear of the dysfunctionalism. You really have to rely on your traditional knowledge and your Lakota teachings, indigenous teachings, in order to survive this. So I understand that you now run a nonprofit focused on working with Native American youth. Can you tell me a little bit about this organization and how that message is perhaps resonating right now in this time? I founded, a co-founded a Native nonprofit called Generations Indigenous Ways with my husband, Waylon Gaddy, and my cousin, Mabel Peacott. And since then, myself and my husband, Waylon, have been actively involved in our organization, bringing informal science education to the youth and community members of the Lakota Nation. Um, what informal science means is bringing the science education um, outside of the classroom and bringing indigenous science, our Lakota cultural teachings, and implementing the Western science perspective, merging them together to bring a really strong educational tool to our people for self-sustaining and self-sufficiency and survival through this. We host four seasonal camps. We learn our ancestral ways. We learn our food harvesting our natural traditional plants, our hunting techniques, our tools, our way of living in our traditional houses, our Lakota teepees. We learn our Lakota kinship and the way of life, the way that our ancestors lived. And we, you know, we've always said ever since the beginning that um, 
this wo lakota the way of life you know way of lakota life is the forefront of our organization and how we do our teaching and this is what will help us through in any kind of obstacle crisis world emergency that um, attacks our people as the pandemic has spread across the world and across the United States, how has the Pine Ridge Reservation been able to respond to this threat? When COVID-19 came about, the entire Oglala Lakota Nation shut down. The program shut down. The elderly meals completely stopped, which left our our elders without food, you know, um, there's over 3,000 elders within the Oglala Lakota Nation, and they get services through the OST, Oglala Sioux Tribe Elderly Programs, you know, meals program. And those programs stopped. So there were no meals being served to our most vulnerable population, and they are were supposed to stay home and stay isolated and um you know some of them live alone some of them don't have cars so they really depend on that one meal per day during the weekdays and a lot of our people are on limited budgets to get the proper food and nutri- nutrients that they need you know on a daily basis and a lot you know we've gone away from traditional harvesting our foods we've become really dependent on grocery stores and commodities or rations you know the the snap benefits and different things like that and so i think it was a big shock um to our people whenever we were locked down and told that we could not go anywhere the governor of south dakota did did not locked down the state, but you all locked down early. Is that correct in terms of trying to respond to this? Yeah. Our president, Julian Barrunner, he declared a state of emergency before any of the South Dakota state officials did. I'm really glad that he acted the when he did and um, protected our people. It shows in our small numbers. I mean, we're still worried because we're over the 100 um, point line and there's 30, a little over 30 active cases within our reservation. But in comparison to the rest of the state of South Dakota, we're doing good because our president stepped up and he made that emergency declaration to um, COVID-19 in response to COVID-19. How did he know to act so quickly? I mean, it seems... It's interesting that there are so many leaders around the United States who did not act quickly and and are still maybe not responding in a very strong way. How did your leadership know to take this so seriously so early? And what was the response within the community? Because they were looking at a lockdown and maybe looking around and saying, well, the rest of the state isn't locking down. Why are we locking down? We're really fortunate to have a really strong president. He is surrounded by intelligent people and within his staff in his main office, you know, he looks out, he listens to people, he doesn't make assumptions, he acts out in, you know, looking out for the people, in the best interest for the people. And there were other states that declared emergencies on that day, on March 11th, 
and you know the entire state of loss of Nevada shut down Las Vegas was shut down and I was really impressed because compared to the other places in the United States they kept their numbers down I don't know what he was thinking I can't speak for him but I'm really thankful that he knew to do that to um to look out for the best interest of our populations and some of us you know when when I'm talking about looking following the ancestral teachings we knew um just in general to be prepared there were conversations that could you live without um you know on social media we can't live without a grocery store we need to do this we need to, you know people were in panic and you know and I'm like we could do this we this is a time for Lakota people to regain their pride and regain their um structure in in being Lakota, our ancestors were prepared for the next coming year. They knew how to hunt and harvest, and they knew how to collect our, you know, harvest our plants and keep them. How to provide for their family without being dependent on something else. And here within our Pine Ridge Reservation, we're really fortunate to have availability of our traditional foods and plants, but we need to know the knowledge of it. So with that being said, this COVID is actually a blessing if we, if we accept it like that. It gives us the opportunity as Lakota people to relearn our Lakota ways, to relearn our plants and our medicines, to become non dependent on our IHS system, to become non-dependent on the United States government, to become sovereign as a people. But it, when you come across change, it's really hard for people to change and to, you know, they say it takes so many days to change your habits. So during the first lockdown, um, people were, you know, shocked and, you know, upset and everything. But then some people that, um, planned you know they opened up the borders for like three days they went out and prepared themselves and got enough food and got enough um supplies and everything there was still the population of our elderly who might not have had a ride who um couldn't find anybody to babysit their grandchildren because a lot of our elders are raising their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and we have multi-generational homes in our community where there may be up to 17 to 21 people living in one home and no car, no vehicle. This is truth. This is um, the reality of um, some of our communities. It's like anything. Change is really hard. And if we are able to do this and we can stay positive, and I'm telling you, Brian, that... Um, in a situation like this, it is really, really hard to stay positive. It's really, really hard to um, keep striving on a good path. But the one thing that you have to understand, and I keep, you know, when people ask me different things, we have to understand that this lateral oppression wasn't always here. Before the IRA government was put into place, when we had our traditional leadership and our traditional community, we didn't put up with, you know, we didn't have to put up with lateral oppression and we didn't have to put up with an IRA government controlling people, how they eat and how they function and how they live. And so in a way, this, um, this COVID 
19 came as a blessing in disguise. That's an interesting way to look at it. And, and I, I understand where you're coming from, but it's also just a great challenge. And I, I read a story about how you were distributing supplies to your elders, including cleaning supplies and things. And just the, the challenge of communication, of even helping everybody around the reservation understand the seriousness of what's going on and you know what COVID is and why we need to be so careful and why we need these cleaning supplies is a challenge. What is it like to sort of rise to that challenge and help people you know, educate people about what is COVID, what's happening, and why do they need to be careful? We live in a very, um, I guess you call it a food desert, and a place where we have Keeley Radio, we have a radio station, and you know, there's social media everywhere, but not everybody has social media, not everybody has Facebook, maybe they might have a transistor radio, Um, Maybe they might have a television uh, with satellite, but not local news channels. And so the education of the COVID-19 needs to come. um, You know, that's the part that in in these indigenous um, food kits that we give out to our elders, we try to put some of the numbers of the places they can call and um, steps in um, cleaning their homes and keeping it up and how to keep the sickness away from them and to prevent it. We really enforce preventative care through our traditional medicines and our traditional methods. The avenue that we take, you know, as helping our community is is the preventative avenue, trying to get them the education of why it's important to um, isolate yourself or why it's important to continue to, social, you know, be social distancing not to go into hotspot areas. Like just recently, we had a big, massive march and protest um, standoff in Mount Rushmore, and a lot of our people were there, and we were really worried, and we were glad to see them all in masks. But still, the national leadership that were there from the United States didn't have any masks. And, you know, it's proven that there were people from that party that had COVID-19, knowing we had COVID-19 and were at that national gathering putting all of the people in the, you know, in the presence at risk. And so the measures that the tribe has taken, the Oglala Sioux tribe has taken under the leadership are really good. They're really um, strict, you know, to where people need to social isolate. If they come into contact with somebody who has been um, tested positive for COVID-19, there's a place where they can go. They ask them to social isolate, not to contact, go into contact with other people. And then they have a task force here within the tribe. And um, one of the main ladies who is helping, um, on the forefront of that is Shawnee Red Bear. And she really works well with the Generations Indigenous Ways um, Indigenous Response, COVID response team. When we need to get something to the other side of the reservation and we can't reach out, you know, we have volunteers from across the reservation we can call and get these um, kits distributed. Other than that, it's really hard in communication. We can't have big meetings. We can't have big gatherings. As Lakota people, we are used to that. We are used to the, you know, sharing energy with our relatives and sharing spaces with our relatives. But one of the other obstacles that we have um, during this COVID response is alcohol and drug abuse. 
and that seems to be one of the main roadways for this COVID-19 is um, through people socializing, going into that, you know, going off the reservation, going into casinos, going into clubs, still doing what they do, um, not practicing social distancing, not practicing good hygiene and becoming at risk and then accidentally infecting their family and then it goes from there. Voices of COVID-19 is an attempt to document the thoughts and feelings of people who are perhaps outside the limelight to get personal reflections on how a pandemic impacts all of our lives. Please tune in to our next episode when we'll hear part two of our conversation with Helene Gaddy, focusing on the unique challenges of trying to meet the basic needs of those who are most vulnerable on the reservation. You can't sleep at night because you're, you worry about people when they shut down the entire reservation and shut down the meals for the elders. Um, we did the first delivery and that's when I realized that this one bag of groceries isn't going to feed this entire house for two weeks. If you know of someone who might make a good guest on this podcast, please send them to me at brian at truevoicecommunications.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay separate. And we'll get through this together. Mm-hmm.